Well, hey there, Crosswinds. It is a joy to be here to worship with you today. Each week, we start our message with a word of prayer, and so I thought it only appropriate that we continue to do that this week. Would you pray with me? Father God, I uh, am so thankful for this Crosswinds uh, family that is together to worship even while apart, Lord. Lord God, as we are all worshiping in our own homes, Lord, I just ask that you make your presence felt and known in that place, Lord. That as we open your word, that you would speak to our hearts, Lord, that we would continue to grow and learn in you uh, together despite being apart. Lord, I'm thankful for this body of believers and the way you continue uh, to minister through them. In your name we pray. Amen. A few weeks ago, Pastor Craig began the Family Talk series. In the first week, we celebrated moms. In the second week, we looked at finding oneness in Christ through marriage. Today, I have been given the honor and the privilege of sharing how oneness with God and others happens only through the wholeness we're able to find in Christ as it relates to being single. Now, before you tune me out or turn me off, please hear this. This message is not only for single people. It is my hope and prayer that regardless of your age and marital status, everyone with ears to hear will be able to take something away today. As we consider what it means to be single, it's important to note that some people are single by choice, some are single because they've lost a spouse, and some are single with the hopes of someday being married. Each of these brings its own unique perspective, and I can only speak to my personal perspective, which is that of someone who is single with the hopes of someday being married. I also understand that there are men who struggle with the idea of being single, and their perspective might be even different than mine. I do believe, however, that what I have learned will benefit both men and women. So it's interesting timing that I'm giving this message about finding security in Christ in the midst of a global pandemic that has resulted in me spending a disgusting amount of time alone. Some of you who are married may be wishing you were me, quarantined by yourself during this pandemic. And I can assure you, there have been moments when I have been very thankful that I am not in a house with a whole bunch of other humans like you might be. I am an introvert. I enjoy alone time. But admittedly, this situation has been more difficult than I was prepared for. In fact, the first two weeks were pretty awful. I went from a very full busy schedule to being home alone all day, every day, and I was fearful of how I was going to be able to do that for an extended time. My perspective on much has changed over the course of the last 10 weeks, and I'm excited to share that with you today. Growing up, I had big plans for my life. You know how uh, there are some little girls who are very into playing house and playing with their dolls, and then there are girls who are into other things. I was kind of a mix. I also loved G.I. Joes and cars. I had brothers. But I was definitely the little girl who had a baby doll with me every place my mom would allow me to take it. While home, I was very seldom not playing with my dolls. And it was fully my intent to grow up, become a teacher, get married, have a set of twins by the age of 25. I had the wedding planned, the names picked out. Everything was set. I was fully prepared for the adult life by the time I was about eight. Well, 
25 came and went 11 years ago, and here I am living my best single crazy cat lady life. Joking aside, I have had to really wrestle over the last several years with continuing to struggle with being single as I watched all of my high school and college friends marry and begin families. This wrestling has never been a daily struggle for me, but every so often I feel this deep sense of grief for the life I don't have that I spent my whole life looking forward to. I'll be honest, I did not spend my whole growing up years looking forward to being a wife. That was not the part of the equation I looked forward to. But I did spend my whole growing up years looking forward to being a mom. And I'm pretty firm in my spiritual belief that the two really should go together. Last year, during a time when I was wrestling, I said to a good friend of mine, how do I reconcile the fact that what I have dreamed about for my entire life just might not be in God's plan for me? That is a question that I really wrestled with and brought all kinds of emotions with it. To be honest, though, I don't know what is in God's plan for my life. And when I ask that question, it's clear that my trust is not in his plan. I was raised in church, but did not fully embrace my relationship with Jesus until my early 20s. At that point, when I decided Jesus was going to be first in my life, I received a new identity. 1 Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. You and I, we are sons and daughters of a king. We were chosen. We can find true security as we accept our newfound identity in Christ. But sometimes the security eludes us, especially when one of our desires doesn't align with God's best for us. So today I want to invite you on the journey with me and share some of what God has taught me over the years. The first thing that I want to share is that living in the present will always be more fruitful than living in the future. If I'm going to be single, I want to be single and live my life well for God. Whether I am single or married, I do not want to waste the life that the Lord has given me. Deciding that I want to live it well does not automatically make it easy. More than I fear perpetual singleness, however, I fear wasting the rest of my life worrying about if I am ever going to get married. I desire to live out this life of mine in a way that honors and pleases God. And that means living in the now, encouraging others in the now, enjoying where he has me today. So often our society is guilty of pressuring us to think about what is coming next. Think about high school seniors or college graduates. The first thing that we ask them, what's next for you? What are you going to do with your life? Or if you know someone who's been in a long-term dating relationship, when are you going to pop the question, when's the wedding? And then the wedding comes and you automatically start asking, well, when are you going to start a family? We have a perpetual desire to move ourselves and the people we care about from one phase into the next without fully embracing and enjoying the journey that we're on. I heard an interesting point last week, and that was the grass is not always greener on the other side. The grass is green where you choose to water the grass. 
So we can enjoy the stage that we're in, or we can wish it away worrying about the next stage. That brings me to the next point. When we are not rooted in Christ, we will accept less than the best for our lives. What do I mean by that? When we are unhappy about our singleness, we will look to fill that void in a variety of ways. It could be hobbies, it could be work, could be time with friends, and maybe even unhealthy relationships. We should never become someone different than we are to please another person. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 6.14. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? If we are not equally yoked and of the same convictions as a person we enter a relationship with, we will begin to compromise our own convictions. There have been a few times over the last several years that I was so excited about the prospect of a relationship that I began forgetting this. Someone wise once said to me, do you like them or do you like the idea of them? In other words, is this relationship one that's going to draw me closer to Christ or am I settling for less than God's best for my life? The next thing I want to share with you is that God sees you. For many, singleness can become a hardship that results in the question of whether God is seeing them. The thought that God doesn't see us is a direct result of the serpent in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis 3.1 says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say to you, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? I love how it calls the serpent crafty. He knew exactly what to say to make Adam and Eve question the Lord's directions. He knows exactly how to get us to question whether or not we are seen, let alone loved and cared for. When we are in the midst of a season where we do not see God working, we too quickly buy into the lie that God isn't good enough, that we are not valued, that our hopes and dreams don't matter to God. That is called insecurity. When we are insecure in our relationship with God, we will quickly question his goodness and his favor in our life. Not only do we question his goodness in our life, we begin to look for value and worth in other places. Again, be that our societal status, our job, a relationship. We begin letting something or someone tell us who we are, forsaking whose we are, and that will always lead to a disappointing end. We begin letting something or someone else tell us who we are, forsaking whose we are, and that will always lead to a disappointing end. God sees you and he will not forget you. Isaiah 49 verses 15 through 16 read, can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. We are never forgotten. He has engraved us on the palms of his hands. Hardship, suffering, singleness, None of that is evidence that God has forgotten us. The next thing that I've learned is to pay attention to what I feed my soul. I read a book um, called Wrestling with Singleness, and I want to just share uh, a quote for, uh, from that book with you. 
Recently, I've been thinking about this question. What are we feeding our souls? If I want to follow the Lord until I die, then what can I do to encourage myself to keep going? This prompted me to reflect on what things have been the most encouraging to me spiritually since I first started following Christ. In the same way that we eat, what we eat impacts our physical health, what we feed our souls impacts our spiritual health. When trials are overwhelming, we need to incorporate things into our schedule that refresh our souls. I do not think these should only be a priority when life is hard. We should do them regularly to stay encouraged and to prepare for whatever lies ahead. I love those words. So I thought of four ways that we can feed our soul in a way that promotes finding our security in Jesus. The first is to dig into God's word. The Bible reveals the character and nature of God. How am I going to possibly find my security in God if I don't know him? If we are going to trust him through difficulties we face, we must be confident in the one in whom we are trusting. The more I read, the more I grow in my understanding and knowledge of who Jesus is and who he says I am. Psalm 119 verses 9 through 10 read, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. Read God's word. Study it. Breathe it in. The next way to feed your soul is through prayer. Through prayer, I have developed such an intimate relationship with Jesus. When my soul feels heavy, what I need the most is to process What is going on in my life and heart with the one who knows me best? The longer I remain single, the more I have to pray about it and verbally entrust my life and heart to God. I like to write out some of those prayers that are hard conversations to have for me. Or you can pray in your car. You can go for a walk. Pray out loud. Pray silently. Just pray. If I want God's voice to be the loudest voice in my life, My habits have to reflect that. I need to spend time in prayer with him. The third way to feed your single soul is through spending time with friends. I mentioned that I am an introvert, but I am an introvert who loves nothing more than sitting down with a friend and a cup of coffee. Singleness feels less lonely when I'm regularly hanging out with friends. Here's what I've learned, though. Most of my friends are married with children. So they lead very busy lives. And it's not just their schedule they have to worry about, but their family's schedule as well. If I want to spend time with them, I have to be willing to initiate it. As an introvert, initiating is not always something I am good at. However, I have grown to be bolder because I have seen the fruit that it brings to my life. The devil would love nothing more than for us to sulk in our loneliness thinking that we are forgotten and not worth spending time with. If you find yourself thinking that way, take the initiative and ask someone to spend time with you. Also, these relationships have to go beyond the superficial conversations that many would prefer to stick with. We need other men and women who we can engage with on a spiritual and vulnerable level, who we can talk to about what we're learning in Scripture and what God is teaching us in our current season. These kind of friendships are not going to happen by accident. The fourth way we can feed our soul is by kingdom involvement. 
There are many ways to serve God and others in our area. Here at Crosswinds, we have so many different ways that we can be active members of the body of Christ. There are serving opportunities, there's small groups, there's one-on-one discipleship. And if it's not here that you get involved, find somewhere else in our community that you can plug in. God intends Christians to be in fellowship with one another. The Apostle Paul had this to say in 1 Corinthians 7, 7 through 8. I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. Now, what Paul is really getting at here in this passage is that both marriage and singleness are gifts from God. One is not morally better than the other, and both are valuable to accomplishing God's purposes. What Paul is saying is he wishes more people would devote themselves completely to the ministry without the added concerns of a spouse and family as he had done. As I mentioned in the beginning of this message, I never intended to be 36 and single. In Ecclesiastes, we read that there is a time and a purpose for everything. I can assure you that my life is far better today because of the single season than I ever could have imagined. My singleness gave me the ability to work full-time and work on myself in a way that prompted me to enter ministry. I was able to devote the time necessary to go back to school. I've been able to fully invest in the lives of my nieces and several other relationships that may never have been had I been married. I have not stopped living the life that God gave me to wait for a spouse, but rather I have seized every opportunity he has given me to love and be loved by the community of family and friends that surround me. As we start to bring it in, I have realized over the last many years that it is easy to put my hope in seeing all of my dreams and desires fulfilled. If we are not careful, it is far too easy to rely on tangible things more than on God, creating a false sense of hope. It can be tempting to think we will achieve a greater sense of security and fulfillment when we get married. But a spouse does not bring ultimate security. Our Savior does. A spouse does not bring ultimate security, but our Savior does. Hoping in something other than God for our security will always prove unreliable. So placing my hope in the Lord, I found to have two primary meanings. The first is believing and trusting in the Lord's character. And the second is looking forward to spending an eternity in heaven with him. We can place our confident hope in Jesus more than anyone else. The Lord alone can promise and perfectly keep his word. Hebrews 13.5 says this. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. No matter what our circumstance, we have a reason to hope. The Lord is always with us. No matter how lonely we may feel in our singleness, we are never, ever alone. I mentioned at the beginning of this message how difficult the first few weeks of quarantine were for me. And a few weeks ago, I was asked uh, a question for our student ministry, and it was, how have you seen God at work over the course of the last several weeks? 
Now, I could have gone in a bunch of different directions on how I've seen God work in this season. But as I hit record, I almost surprised myself as the first thing that came out of my mouth was how I have felt God sustain me in a way that I've never before experienced. I have felt God sustain me in a way I've never before experienced. In this season of seeing very few people and having my schedule completely destroyed, my routines completely broken, I have felt God sustain me and fill me in a way that has reminded me that he is my only source of security. You see, it's easy for me to find security in routines and busyness if I'm not careful. This time has reminded me that Jesus is my only sure security. As I was preparing, a friend of mine shared this devotion, and I thought it fit quite well. Psalm 111, verses 7 through 8 say this, The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed in faithfulness and uprightness. When it comes to God's character, faithfulness doesn't mean that he will always come through for us in the way we expect. It means he will see his plan through to completion, that he will keep his promises, that he will continue to work in our lives for our ultimate good, not necessarily our immediate happiness. God is working in my life for my ultimate good. I don't know where my life is going to lead in 10 months or even 10 years or honestly, even 10 days. But I know who does. And I am choosing to place my hope and trust in his plan, not in mine. Whether you're single or married, our truth remains the same. The only way we can find wholeness with others is when we have a oneness with Christ. If you are single and struggling, I encourage you to think about what you're feeding your soul. I encourage you to think about where your security comes from. If you have never made that decision to accept Jesus, maybe today is the day that you would take that first step. I assure you there is nothing else that will sustain you and fill you the way that Jesus can. And remember, the grass is not always greener on the other side. The grass is green where you choose to water the grass. Let's pray. Father God, I am so thankful for who you are in my life, Lord. Lord, I am thankful for the way that you have um, sustained me in this crazy season and brought me closer to you. God, I pray for um, anyone today who is struggling with their singleness or, or struggling wherever they are, Lord, that they would feel seen and loved by you. Father, I thank you for, um, all of the things that you have taught me and for all of the people that are in my life that continue to encourage me um, and uplift me in my time of singleness. Lord, this season has been um, far better than I could have ever imagined. And so, Lord, I just pray for anyone listening that they would be able to look back at the season that they're in and see where your hand has been at work. Father, we thank you and praise you for um, who you are for the love that you have shown us, Lord, and for that true security that we can find only in you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.